Hello and welcome everyone. I'm honored to be your host today. My name is April J. Ford. I'm an author, entrepreneur, and philanthropist. I'm passionate about inspiring and empowering women to find the gold in life challenges. To find out more about my work, you can go to either www.joysofyaw.com or joysgift.org, the nonprofit empowering widows and abused women and youth. The purpose of Journey to Success is to interview people who are making a difference in the world and to help encourage and inspire others to do the same with their lives. So my guest today is Shanna McFarlane. Shanna is known as a powerhouse entrepreneur who went from homeless on the street to owning the street and the homeless to millionaire. She is a recognized leader and a new voice for personal and entrepreneurial success. Shanna went from a life of many challenges and adversities, including being homeless at the tender age of only 16, and against all the odds, she changed the outcome of her life by changing the script chapter by chapter, going on to build a multi-million dollar real estate business, and founded several other profitable and successful businesses, some of which she started from the trunk of her own car. Now, she's an internationally sought-after speaker, author of a number of books, an entrepreneur and real estate investing expert, business strategist, consultant, entrepreneur, and mentor. She has a list of accolades I could just read on with you guys today from Canadian Women Entrepreneur of the Year in 2012 and 13. She has been featured as an expert a number of times in the Canadian Real Estate Wealth Magazine. Business News Daily, Yahoo News, CNN, YFS Magazine, MSN, CTV, Women of Influence, USA Today, and the list goes on and on as she continues her work. Welcome to Journey to Success, Shauna. Glad to have you with us. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, April. Wow, it was remarkably impressive reading you know, your bio and looking at your website a few days ago, very impressive, very impressive. And it looks like you're going to be one of the featured speakers at an event there in Toronto, Brilliant Minded Women. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about the event and the organization that you'll be speaking at? Uh, well, the Brilliant uh, Minded Women's uh, Gala uh, is happening this year, November 22nd here in Toronto, and it's, uh, it was created to inspire, really, and to empower uh, new and aspiring entrepreneurs um, all around the greater Toronto area, and just to provide them with, you know, networking opportunities um, for women that have been where they may currently be and um, just to give them some resources to help them on their journey. Beautiful. Wow, wow. So you said it was created mainly to have a community of innovative, successful women who are basically at the top of their fields and to develop, you know, strong relationships and to show each other, you know, ways to support each other and network and basically be a you know, a mentor to other entrepreneurs. It sounds like a great platform to plug into. It absolutely is. And, and it's one of the resources that, you know, especially for women, um, we are kind of lacking those um, nowadays. And the support is a big thing because you don't always have it around you, whether it's from family and friends. 
So it's very important to get out there and find these groups of, you know, like-minded women where, you know, they can really empower you to walk away and, and, and start building something of your own. Right. I truly agree with that. And, you know, speaking from, you know, one author to another, just based on the bio, we haven't had the opportunity as of yet to work together, but I can really um, resonate with some of your challenges and adversity. You know, I guess life itself in both our arenas, it wasn't selfish with us and, you know, giving us a deck of cards that was filled with hardships. <laughs> but obviously we've, we've triumphed over it. Would you agree that the phase of inspiration is vital first before, you know, transformation and empowerment occurs? Absolutely agree with you 100% because without the inspiration, let's put it this way, inspiration is the foundation. Um, it's what gives you hope that there is or could be something else. And without that inspiration, nothing will happen. And, and, and that is exactly why, you know, part of my mission in life really is to inspire first and then empower next by providing, you know, the resources or whatever um, uh, necessary, uh, whatever is necessary to help women to the next level. Because if they're not inspired, they will not take right. that step, right? You really right. have to believe right. Right. that you know, I'm inspired to do this. I believe there's hope in, in right. whatever it is that I aspire to. Right. You've got to have an inspiration of, like you said, hope and a picture of a vision or a goal before you take, you know, any action. You know, the action is great, but in order to have, you know, a clear way, bad habits or negative thinking, there needs to be clearing first of what I call the old clutter, but inspiration comes first. Because with, without that open mind, you know, you're not, not going to do anything. There's not going to be any action without that inspiration. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of the first step. And, you know, there's this old saying that goes, if you skip step one or two, uh, you, you're definitely not going to complete steps three, four, and five. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> so that okay, is key. Yeah, I think that's missing. Um, I think the messaging could be strengthened in the industry that we work in in personal development because a lot of people focus just on the result or the transformation, what comes later instead of the transition. And like you said, well, the foundation is hope and hope is built on inspiration. I always kind of give people a picture, you know, imagine a vessel or a bucket that's filled with polluted water before you can take action and you know, putting clean water into it, you need to first empty it out. But even before that, you need to open the lid. So the opening right. of the lid, I, I call it, that's the inspiration and hope part. Um, mm -hmm. And it kind of ties into the event that you're going to be speaking at. Of, like you said, really plugging yourself in with that support group of inspiration and hope and create a network of other women who are like-minded and who have gone the path that you're, you know, embarking. Yes, and, and that is absolutely the case. And when I do uh, speak with, you know, audiences or, or clients, I, I use my story and my life to inspire them. And that's the foundation that I, that I set. Um, and once they're inspired, I know that, you know what, more than likely, I can actually get them to the next level. But without that, um, 
without them being inspired, I really can't yeah. get them <laughs> to take the steps necessary. It doesn't matter how successful these steps have been before. But right, they really right. and truly must be inspired first. And I, you know, I live my life currently to do that. Right. And tell us about, um, speaking of your background, tell us your transition going from homeless to millionaire. You know, who were some of your role models and mentors, and what did that process look like for you? And who inspired you? You know, growing up, I, I must say my first, um, first inspiration, uh, I have to say, was my mom. And of course, at different levels, and I'm, I'm certain it's exactly the same for you, April, at different phases in your life, you find inspiration in different things and different people. Now, starting out, it was my mom because we had such a difficult life from growing up. And things were never easy. We're from, you know, a third world country. Um, my background's Jamaican, and she was a single mom who just, you know, struggled every day. Three jobs to make ends meet. And I, wow. I always, you know, I always looked at her, and it wasn't that she wasn't working hard. Um, that wasn't the reason why we were struggling. Um, it, it was that, you know what, life was just difficult. My mom, different, different role models um, come in at different, different phases in our, right. our lives. And, you know, now I have a few different um, mentors. And my mom, I have to say, uh, was at the forefront uh, of it. And as I, as I got older and, and started to work towards certain things, I, you know, I looked to book for transformation. I started to read about um, people and successful women like Oprah Winfrey. And, you know, and then uh, at different points, I, I looked at companies like, you know, McDonald's, right, and Walmart, and, and just to mm -hmm. be inspired and, by them and see how can I build something, even if it's not as great as the legacy that these companies have left, but something similar in my own right and, and authentic to me. So, you wow. know, um, it, it's my, I've had an enormous amount of adversities um, in my life and, you know, I'll be speaking about this at the upcoming conference as well. Um, but, you know, to say the least, I've been homeless to the point where I was one of those people standing at a corner and begging patrons for one dollar. That was my life at one point. Mm -hmm. And this and is while then, you were living in Canada or you were in Jamaica? Yeah, I would, that's here. That's right here in Toronto. And oh, wow. life just got so difficult for me. And, uh, you know, at 16, I'm standing on a street corner and I'm begging for money, not exactly knowing what direction my life is going to take. Uh, not even planning for a future, really. Uh, my, next, my plan or my goal was just to make it through to the next day. Right, to survive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, what, was, and what did you think the pivotal point was of, that was really instrumental in the change that allowed for you to get on a path of success, you know, going from homeless to a path of a, a bright future? What was that pivotal change or moment? I remember after being humiliated, just standing, you know, outside and having to beg for money, like I said, and it wasn't a good feeling at all. It was, it was embarrassing. It was humiliating. Um, I lost my self-confidence. I lost myself during this process. 
And one day, just standing there, and I remember it as if it was yesterday, the first person that I asked for $1 gave it to me, the very first person that I asked that day. And when they gave me the money, I started to walk um, towards the store. And I'd ask for money, and I'd purchase like a loaf of bread and a small um, tub of uh, margarine or butter. And, and that, that would be like a week's worth uh, of meals for me. And as I was walking towards the store, I remember a, a, a phrase or a statement that uh, an immigration officer said to me years previously. She said, you know, this was a, another low point in my life when she said, Shanna, regardless of where you are, always remember this. Never let someone else's opinion of you determine who you are as a person and how far you can go. Mm -hmm. That's very powerful. Yeah. And I, this person has said this to me years prior. And you know, I never really thought much about it again. And just walking that day, it, the thought came into my mind. And, I, I, and as I walked into the store and I, I picked up the, the, the things to purchase, I said to, me, I said to myself, you know, Shanna, you can actually continue down the path that you're on by coming out here to this corner and asking people for money. Or you know what? You can plan for something different. You can because you deserve it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. right? And right. And, I, and I went, I was staying at a shelter at that point, and I went to the shelter and something just changed. I couldn't connect the pieces. I don't know what it was, but something in that statement started to light a little tiny bit of hope that there was something more, that I actually, even though I was at this lowest point in my life, that there's a possibility, not a big one, but a tiny, tiny one, there's a little bit of hope that things could change for me, and I have to be the one to change it. Right, right. And it goes and back to what we were originally talking about is, you know, like you said, this lady said this statement to you, you know, prior to that moment or day that it came back to you, and it's that, you know, teardrop, I call it the teardrop approach of hope or inspiration. Obviously, it came back to you and you were inspired enough to make a decision, a decision to go back on the path that you're um, asking for money, or you can go back and like you said, change the script of your life chapter by chapter and um, make a decision to make things better and plan for a better um, future. And, that, and that's exactly what it was. You know, that little tiny hope um, mm -hmm. inspired. It, 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 it inspired something in me, and I made a decision from then on to change my perspective, I was very angry at, you know, my dad and my stepmom for just abandoning me. And uh, I, I was carrying around a lot of emotional baggage. Mm -hmm. And I made the decision that day that this is it. I'm going to let go. I'm going to stop playing the victim. And I'm going to start working towards a better life. And that's all I did. Uh, really, that, those were my first step. I started to look for jobs in different cities, and I just never looked back. I haven't looked back since. Wow, beautiful. That's a true inspirational story. Now, let's talk about your business. I mean, you know, you, like you said, you started from 
homeless, so now to a millionaire. What did the structure of your business look like? I mean, did you start with one business and built others serially, or did you have multiple ones like your real estate? And what's the business with the one from the trunk of your car? Talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> the real estate, I, start, I started them individually. Um, I have this knack, and I've always had this knack um, for business. Like at nine, I was selling candies at school. Uh, I was just, you know, and I decided, I learned my first franchise model at that point, which I really didn't uh -huh. even know <laughs> I was a franchise. Well, like my, my kids. My kids the other day were um, selling candy door to door, and I told them that the money that they made um, would be their fundraiser for their field trips. <laughs> there you go. That's exactly it. They're very entrepreneurial. Yes. Absolutely. I sold candies to get lunch money and because I, did, I wanted to really monopolize um, the system and, and to ensure that nobody else would steal my idea and started to sell candies, I bought a whole bunch of candies and I decided to pay commission to people who would sell them for me in different classes. So I had oh. the whole school working for me. <laughs> Okay, she had her little commission book out. <laughs> I know. So that was, you know, the first, uh, my first little venture. And then, you know, real estate came along. I, I, on my journey, I started to read a lot. I started to read about all the successful businesses and successful uh, people that I knew of, um, which was like Oprah, Donald Trump, Warren Buffett, um, Walmart. I started to read all of those books, autobiographies on all those guys, and I recognized one thing. The one thing that they had in common was real estate. So mm -hmm. it's not that I had an interest in real estate um, previously. This was just because there was an opportunity there. It was going to make me money, and really that's the only purpose I got into it for. Uh, so I decided I'm going to try my hand at, you know, at 21, I bought my first very first property uh, with my tax return. So, and I share these examples to let people know that you don't have to have a lot of money to, to get into business. You really don't. Right. And, right. and know, share, yeah, do you share the little details? Because, like, you know, people are trying to fathom, okay, she went from homeless to millionaire. What was the big, was it a right. big leap of money that came your way or no. saving incrementally of yeah. 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 I just got a tax return. I remember my tax return was almost just about under $4,000. And I was working about 23 grand per year. So I wasn't in, you know, a high paying job or anything like that. But I thought if I'm going to get this this amount of money, this is a lot of money in my mind at the time. That's a right. lot of money, right? right? I'm like, uh, yeah, you can go buy shoes, you can go buy purses, or you can make this work for you, right? And I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to try my hand. I'm going to buy a property. And when I told, everyone that I told thought I was crazy, except for the real estate agent who helped me buy the property. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> everyone. Yeah, exactly. He's trying to make his commission, right? And, you know, everyone said, why would you do that? You're too young to become a landlord. Uh, you know, you're going to be getting phone calls about fixing toilets at night. And, <laughs> you know, so, and I said, you know, this, I believe this is it. I've read about all these people. The one thing they have in common is real estate. I'm going to do it. And the best 
thing that I did, the best decision I made was to not listen to what everybody else right. was saying. Mm -hmm. And I bought that property, and it was a duplex. And I tell you, I lived in one side, and I rented the second side. And I saved that money. I was still working the 9 to 5 at the time. I saved every single penny I got from the rental. And guess what? In two years, I was able to use that rental income to buy another property. Wow. And, and I bought the exact, I, re, I realized that I had done something right in terms of the type of property that I had bought because it was a foreclosed um, property, so I needed to paint and put in carpet, little work right. that I did myself, really. Yeah. Yeah. And I did this I used the same strategy again and it I just kept repeating it and repeating it. And the more I I purchase, the better I'd get at it because then I know what I knew what not to do uh, and I knew what also to do, right? Right. And right. I just kept at it and you know, in less than five years my goal was to buy one property per year for five years, and I had exceeded that goal in two years. Wow! And you I, I just time frame. Stopped. Yeah. Yes, yes. I just didn't stop. So you know, I share it to say it is possible. Um, it can be done, and it doesn't require you to have half a million dollars sitting somewhere in the bank. Mind you, if you have it, it's a lot easier. But if you don't, it's still doable. Now right. you know. that's realistic. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's doable, but you at least took the initiative and sweat equity in terms of, you know, you read all these books, you study these people, you study these business, and you found a person that you, you know, felt comfortable and knowledgeable enough to help you, whoever that real estate person was, if you also had a mentor or a coach, and you just didn't jump in um, blindly, oh, I'm just going to buy this because, you know, any type of property is great. When in actuality, there, there needs to be some type of homework um, and research done. Not, not all properties, you know, evaluated right. the same. <laughs> exactly. And, and now, what about exactly. your other business? Yeah, and then, uh, you know, once that took off, I formed a property management company from that as well because we, you know, I had so many real estate properties. Now I just, I wasn't able to manage them myself anymore. So I formed a property management company and I did the exact um, same model. I, all the, you know, out-of-town properties, I partnered um, with uh, a guy, a gentleman out there that, that had the experience and the knowledge in property management, and he came on board. And then what we did was we um, set up things in a way where he was also able to manage other properties, and we made a commission on that. So it wasn't costing us anything. He used her, her branding, and he was able to bring other business, so other revenue and cash flow um, that we wouldn't have been ordinarily able to get. Uh, so we expanded in that way as well. And, you know, a few years later, again, the entrepreneurial itch, always <laughs> looking to start a business and do something. I was, you know, always looking to purchase uh, extensions and, you know, beauty supplies and the whole works, the whole girly thing. And oh, I said, okay. 
Yeah, that's why you're spending so much money on you know this type of thing. You should start a business with this because you could get it at wholesale cost for yourself. And wow. I'm like, so now you're going to oh. expand into the beauty industry <laughs> from really right. beauty. Yeah, something that I absolutely knew nothing about either. And I said, okay, I'm going to do a, a, a little uh, trial run on this and see. So what I did was I decided to go to my work, um, still doing the 9 to 5 at the time, and I created a list of products that I had in mind to sell. And I emailed, of course, all my colleagues, everyone that I talked to, because I had you know, so many friends at work. Everybody knew Shanna. And I said, you know what? I'm coming out with these products um, about a month's time. I'm wondering who is interested, and um, let me know. And I was very surprised. Nine out of ten people said, yes, they're interested. So now I purchased like, the product. Purchase the products. So what I did was I went, looked up all the wholesales. I got the price in. I still didn't have the products, mind you, because I didn't invest any money yet. And I didn't want to invest any money yet because I'm like, is this even a viable business? And I decided, okay, I created a price list um, from the wholesale list that they provided. I went in, I said, guys, here are the pictures, here's the price list. I'm taking pre-orders. These are going pretty fast. I need your order by Friday. And guess what happened? I got $1,000, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of orders without wow. having the product. The product so now... Right. So what had happened now is I just raised my startup capital before I even had the products in hand. So that was my startup cost um, for the beauty supply business. And all I did was bought the products, bought them in my car, opened my trunk at lunchtime and break time, and sold out <laughs> every single day. <laughs> wow. My uh, my manager at the time told me she was she was even a customer. She said, "You know, I'm gonna start charging you a lease for this spot yeah. that you yeah. park your car." I'm how that looked like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least your employer, you know, didn't have any conflict of interest. <laughs> exactly right. So yeah, no, wow. they were fine. They're like, as long as you're not, this is not interfering with your work, and we're not seeing that it is, and you're only doing this during the breaks and lunch, we're okay. And I okay. did that. Well, and out, yeah. yeah, you know, and I took people's info, and I'd have parties. I used the Mary, um, the Mary Kay um, philosophy, and I had um, beauty parties at home instead of you know all the other things. I had beauty parties. I provided fine catering. I invited everybody, and I still have an invitation at home. And, it, and I look at it and I laugh all the time because it says, "Bring your wallet and your friend." <laughs> well, it worked. And it worked. And I sold out every single time and got tons of pre-orders. And today that business is, you know, a very successful one, multi-million dollar business as well. And we ship worldwide. We have several locations providing retail and wholesale um, products. Wow. Wow. Very phenomenal. Now, would you, if you were to look outside of your own picture frame, like Les Brown would say, what would give Shauna her uniqueness? What would you think people would say that your unique it factor is? 
there are a couple of things about me. Um, in terms of uh, achievements, I'm not afraid to, to try it. I'm not afraid to get it done. I'll just do it. Uh, I'll do it. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Uh, and it, 10 doors may close, but the 11th one is going to open for me. And that's the approach that I take with everything. Now, in terms of why my businesses succeed and why they thrive, and also what I um, uh, educate my consulting clients on is I always, always, always create an experience for clients in every single business model that I've, um, I've ever created and used. I always create an experience, a phenomenal experience, because at the end of the day, businesses, when you're selling services and products, you can only differentiate so much. You can't differentiate by price because somebody's going <laughs> to um, outdo yeah. someone at some point, right? Right. Uh, and and for, for products as well, uh, most times you're getting your supplies from the exact same wholesaler or manufacturer. So you can only go so low. Uh, but what will make... Um, you different in your business is that experience that you create. That will always keep people coming back. And I give the examples um, because a lot of it, and I give these examples because they're different uh, in terms of real, the real estate industry. Uh, we own, you know, the real estate empire, and we, we have a lot of rentals. Now, people would look at it and say, how would you provide a unique experience for your clients? Mm -hmm. And that type of business. What we do is when we rent someone a home and they go in there, there's always, always a welcome package. So we treat them exactly as if they had purchased uh, their home. So there's oh, a welcome package okay. there waiting on them uh, right on their uh, the counter because there's nothing in the house. You're, they're renting a vacant property most of the time. There's a welcome package there. If these clients have kids, for example, and we know back to school is coming up in September, uh, we ensure that we send them gift certificates for like Walmart or Staples, wherever they would have, they would purchase supplies for their children going back to school. You know, Thanksgiving rolls around. We don't let it pass. We always, I, send, I still handwrite these today's date. We send a thank you card mm -hmm. along with a little gift card. You know, you, you get to know your clients are, and we keep files, personal files for people that tells us, you know, do they, are they Starbucks type, are people, are they Tim Hortons type, or are they people that mm -hmm. will go right. to the keg on a Friday night, right? And we right. make little notes of those things because those things are key in differentiating your business, especially in today's economy. And we, we never miss a mark. We have clients that, you know, rents from us 10, 15 years. And then they will turn around and if they're buying a property, they'll ask us to sell them their property because they said they've never seen a, any, any landlord who functioned the way that we do. And we do that with all our models. Like every single business that I've operated, it's the same philosophy. So it's about creating that experience regardless of what business you're in because your clients, really clients are purchasing, the, you know, products and services are a dime a dozen. And right, really, right. you know, they're only going to come back because you made them feel special. That's the key. Right. 
Yeah, it's what, you know, what does it look and feel like to them? Because at the end of the day, like you said, there's all a line of great products and great prices and um, value out there, but you, that's a very um, key point in distinguishing yourself. It's the relationship that you have between um, your customers. Because I find it intriguing when some people, um, you know, are still able to not only survive the real estate crash, but you know, people like you or your company—they're not only surviving, but they're thriving. And mm -hmm. is there anything more that sets them apart from those who? Um, let the economy basically determine their success. I mean, that's a very big pivotal point, the instrumental point of, of a key secret on what you should do in any business. But what are, is there anything else that you would say that you distinguishes, know. you know, surviving versus thriving and not letting the economy determine your success? Right. You can't let the economy in. You always have to be ahead of it. So it, when the real estate market crashed, a ton of people, as you know, were affected in every single way. And uh, we oftentimes we, we anticipate what's going to happen down the road. And now mm -hmm. you're in business, you should be looking two, three years out. It's like looking at Apple. Their, their product, they have product listed for the next five, six, seven, eight, ten years. They know what they're coming out with. And that's the approach that you want to take. But oftentimes, small businesses, they are so busy in the day-to-day -day that they don't look beyond where they are today. And that's, that's a mistake. When the market crashed, we looked at, okay, real estate is going down. For one, the main reason we weren't affected is because we didn't purchase properties for um, increase in value. Because when we, we purchase we make our money now. When you purchase and you're assuming that the value is going to increase, then you're purchasing based on assumption. Right. Now, right. if you purchase or if you get into any business based on assumption, you're going to end up in hot waters pretty quickly. So what that does, what that does or what that did for us during that you know, crazy time is we didn't worry about, okay, this property, we bought it at 200000 let's say, and now it just dropped to 100000 Because when we put our tenant in that property, we ensured that the, whatever the rental amount is, it, it was going to cover that mortgage and expenses and cash flow regardless of what the valuation is of that property. Right? Right. More for the long now, term. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Now, the... Second thing is, there were a lot of clients, for example, we, came, we run into issues where we had clients that lost their jobs, let's say, due to the economy, right? Their business, their company went under, right. or you know, they, their hours were reduced from full-time to part-time. Now, we have great clients. We pre-screen our clients pretty stringently, and things, you know, we don't want to lose tenants, especially when they're great tenants. So what we did or what we've always done and continue to do is if we have a great tenant and they come in and they say, you know what, due to a life um, situation, things have changed, Shanna or whoever is in charge um, can't afford to pay you $1,000 um, per month, um, unfortunately, we're probably going to have to move. Um, if that's a great client, you know what we do? We 
call a meeting and we say, okay, you know what? You've been a great client. You've lived with us five years. We've had no issues with you. We want to help you out. Now we're going oh, to wow. reduce your $1,000 monthly rental amount to $700 um, per month for the next three to six months. And this is not money that you're going to have to pay us back. The $300 difference, you won't, it's not being accumulated somewhere and then you're going to have to give it back mm -hmm. to us. We're just doing that for you because that's the way we do business. Wow. Now, in three months to six months, things change with you, let us know, you know, we'll revisit it if you need an extension, whatever the case may be. And we leave it at that. The client pays $700. Uh, we're still not in a loss because guess what? When we charged $1,000, we already uh, factored in costs such as that. So oh, okay. all, that, all that took away from us really was a portion of our monthly cash flow. Now, is it worth it to reduce your cash flow and still have a great tenant in place that's still covering all the expenses? Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and right, so right. It, it, it's models like that. Now, what happens with those tenants is they're forever grateful because they've never heard of this, right? Yeah, and, yeah, that's what heard of. Yeah, and more than 99% of them will come back to us in two months and say, you know what, Shana, I got something else. I really appreciate what you've done for my family um, starting next month on the 1st yes, we're on track again and we can pay the $1,000 per month. Are you sure we don't owe you the $600 for the two months? And we're like, no, that, that's our gift to, to you. We just want to ensure that your family is okay. Right? Wow, and they're forever yeah, grateful. Model. Yeah, and yes, it, yes. it's a win-win situation, right? It is. It is, but it's smart, like you said, Whatever the price was, if the rent was a thousand dollars, you you added that as part of your structure of your plan and your forecast. And I assume you know if if it was really eight hundred, then you had a thousand, so you maybe put the extra two hundred for a rainy day. What it sounds like in cases like this, exactly. and maybe in most most um, landlords, they would have just cashed it straight to the bank instead of. Right, um, having a long-term forecast of wait, if the economy turns around, what do we do to not only safeguard the property but to also help the family um, situation? You know, you know the the family that are living there. Exactly, because the the reality is, in for a business like real estate, your tenants are your clients. That's the reality. Right. Now. You want to, if especially you have great people, you, you know, people, life can change for any one of us at any time. And, you know, they're in a, a situation that is out of their control. Why not help them out? And I'll tell you something, they'll forever be grateful to you. They take care of that property better than they were better. taking care of great. it before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's called an investment. That's a real Ex investment. Exactly. <laughs> in the relationship and the rapport and into that tenant. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, and they, most landlords, they would have just took the cash margin profit, take it to the bank, and 
oh, sorry, exactly. you can't pay your rent. Here's here's the eviction notice. <laughs> right, and that's yeah. exactly it. And that's what they're looking for when they come and they say, unfortunately, this happened and I can't. They're looking for me to say, well, unfortunately, you're going to have to leave, right? And that's never the answer that they get. And I'm telling you, we, we knock on wood. We haven't had issues. We don't have eviction issues. Those things are minimal for us, very, very minimal. We don't run into that a lot, and it's simply because of these little things. It's the way we, we use and conduct our business model, and we, we apply it right across the board, you know, for all the, well, I don't all think the it's, it's Yeah, I don't think it's called, like you said, little thing. It's simple things, but they're pretty, they have a pretty big impact. Like, it's simple to just, like you said, forecast or maybe have a little margin, and what do you do? You have the intent to save it for a rainy day and not just, oh, I have this margin. I'm just going to go um, spend it and cash it out, run happily to the bank with, with my profits. Of, um, like you said, it's simple things like that, but it's very impactful in a big way when you're, like you said, your, your tenants are your investment. They're the, they're the one bringing in the cash flow to your business, and why not develop that relationship and help? Um, helping family when you can, when you do have, um, or in that position to do exactly. so. And that's exactly yeah. it, you know. So those are the things that, you know, really makes me different in terms of the way that I think and the way that I function. And I find that, you know, it, it may not appeal to everyone out there, and it's the same thing with my clients, um, the business um, consulting firm that I own, um, it's the same exact philosophy for them. And that's appealing to not all, of course, um, right. but the, the majority is um, attractive um, to that type of model. Wow. Now, what type of entrepreneurs or businesses do you, you know, typically coach or speak to? Are they mostly just in real estate or what type of industry? No, they're in any industry. Um, my the ones that I work with are individuals who ha they have a business. They so they they know what they want to do. They're just not exactly sure how to ma uh, monetize it. They they want to really maximize the res the revenue within the business, but they're not exactly sure of the steps. And it's individuals who, they're not just looking for information. I'm hands-on, as you can tell. Uh, um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I get in there. So I'm going to do, I work with people who are ready to do, not just to listen because, you know, we can all be interested in something. I'm interested in a variety of topics, just like everyone else. But the difference is, is are you really committed to it? So, you know, I, I really work with individuals, whether they're aspiring, they're new, or they're seasoned um, business owners and entrepreneurs who are just ready for that next level, but they're not exactly sure the directions, the steps to really maximize and, and, and monetize um, the revenue within their business. And what did you say, before we close out here, what are some critical, you know, that's on your list as a must? would you recommend to entrepreneurs, like you said, being committed, um, obviously, and they just need a sense of direction on how to monetize and, and maximize their results, but what are some critical musts um, before you start working with someone? They, for me, that person has to have that, their business concept already. 
they have to know it's not about, uh, you know what, I have 20 ideas, but I'm not exactly sure which direction I want to go. Um, because I, my strength is not in figuring out what idea works for you. That's someone else, <laughs> yeah. right? <Okay. laughs> uh, and that is where uh, most people get stuck, and they never do it, right? They have 20 ideas, and they, they, they'll ask 50 opinions, and then nothing happens. Uh, I will take it from the point when, okay, your idea is realized. This is what I'm going to do. I love to bake. Or you know, I, I am I am great. I'm a great seamstress. I've always done it at home. I'm a hobbyist, but now I'm ready to really make some money from this. Um, those are the types of individuals that I work well with because they're okay. serious, they're hungry, and they're ready. Right, right. And what are some of the results in case for our listeners out there who are um, interested in your work? Um, what are some of the results? that your clients have seen in, in working with you? They've, uh, clients that I've worked with, um, on average, they're looking at at least, at a minimal, the lowest, lowest percentage, I would say, is about a 60% revenue increase in the next four months. So what, four months from the point that we start working, they add a minimal 60% increase in their revenue. And that's them taking the steps and, you know, getting the work. And I'm there with them. I, I get into it. I, I show them. I, we get the work done. And you okay. know what? And, so and you, once you, yep, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that that's pretty distinguishing because, um, you know, I've worked with tons of coaches and mentors and strategists before. And you have to figure out what, like you said, what is your strength and what are you willing to do? Some people are just the um, oversight or planners that will lay the foundation for you, but they're not going to be the ones to execute it with you. So it kind of sounds like you're, you're doing both. Am I, am I correct? Yes, absolutely right on. I go over, like we create the plan together. You know, I get to know your vision because it's your business at the end of the day. And, and that is why I'm very uh, specific who I choose to work with because it's, uh, my time is, is vested, right? right I, I have right. a vested interest in you, and I want you to succeed. So as a result, every business owner, every business model is going to be different. So I have to get your vision. I have to see what it is that you see, not what I see, what you see for yourself. And then we create a plan around that, and then we work on achieving that. That's, that's awesome. Now, in closing, Shauna, again, I appreciate your time on Journey to Success with us today. If you can tell our listeners, maybe your website and any other last-minute remarks, closing remarks you'd like to leave us with. Uh, my website is um, www.shannamcfarland.com. So that's uh, S-H-A-N-N-A-M-C-F-A-R-L-A-N-E.com. And, you know, they can get, uh, I write a blog, a ton of resources there. They can learn more about me as well. Um, now, I'd also uh, love to leave one of my um, a free ebook version of, of um, one of my books, um, 77 Quick and Simple Tips for Advancing Your Life and Building a Profitable Business. 
and that they can get at www.shannamcfarlane.com slash our free gift. Perfect, and we'll make sure to have that on Journey to Success's website with the links. All right, Journey to Success listeners, that's our show today with Shada McFarlane, and I apologize for mispronouncing your name at the beginning of the show. <laughs> Until next time, I'm April J. Ford, and remember to share and spread your joys and blessings. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you.